We welcome you to the media ministries of the Gathering Church in the Countryside YMCA of Mainville. As we love the Lord and each other, we're trusting that God would use us to plant a church in every YMCA around the world. To this end, would you join us? We meet on Sundays at 10 a.m. and in community groups throughout the week. As you listen to this resource, our prayer is that your love for Jesus would grow deep and your love for others would be seen and heard. All right, let's get started. Um, uh, today, uh, we're going to remember, remember what the Lord has done. Right? And it's, it's important to remember where you come from, your, your heritage. I remember last year, my brother uh, gave my mom for Christmas one of those like heritage tests where you spit on a piece of paper, put it in an envelope, and send it on into a company. You know what I'm talking about? And then they, they write back and tell you like, where your family's from. It was fun. It was fun for our family to, to uh, see that and experience it. It's important to know your past. It's important to celebrate your past. And uh, folks say that if you forget your past, um, then, then it's, it's hard to navigate through the future. And so uh, this morning, we're going we're gonna to celebrate what God has done through the past, um, in the past two years. But to kind of narrow our celebration, not just to be ambiguous and say, oh, awesome, we're two years old as a church. Um, what I want to do this morning is be specific with our celebration. And I want to recount how God has used his word, the Bible, not only to revive our hearts and save us, um, but, but to recount how he has guided us, he has planted us, and how he has used his word, the scriptures, to endure us. And so in that way, I want to celebrate um, our past. And I, I want to recall stories, and, and, uh, and I want to call, recall what he has done through the words. Um, and so I hope that you leave here like my goal and objective, like I want to steer your affections in your mind and in your heart to celebrate, wow, God is so faithful. But even more than that, wow, he's been so faithful to speak to me through the scriptures in these past two years. And if he's been faithful to do it in the past two years, he's going to do it again. And I hope that you leave just Hungry to be tethered to God's word this year. And so if you hear even a challenge from the message this, this, this morning, it would be, wow, I want to get to know him through his word. Okay? You got me? Anytime throughout the service, be watching and like recall what he is right? And, and like just silently. Lift your affections to him and be like, wow, you did do that, Lord. Thank you. Jot a note, star in the scriptures. It is your margin right now. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness here. You did work in my life. I've got something to say. Okay? You got me? Are we together? Come on, don't be so, don't be so like Anglo on me. 
Speak a little bit to me, Church. Okay, so a little story. The, the title of this message is Anniversary Sunday, Celebrating God's Faithfulness Through His Word. Okay? Celebrating God's Faithfulness Through His Word. So here's the beginnings of our story. And if you're new with us, don't feel left out. Get to know us. And most of all, get to know Christ, who is the head of this church. How he has been so good. Okay. Um, the story began like this. This building was built in 2001 by the Presbyterian Church. By the Presbyterian Church of Morrow and the Presbyterian Church of, uh, of Hopkinsville got together and said, we see that, that uh, this community is kind of um, coming towards Mainville. A lot of churches, a lot of uh, buildings are being Build a lot of houses are being built. Let's combine churches. Let's build together and let's worship here. And uh, after a few uh, years, the church didn't make it. Okay, and so they pursued um, selling the building. And the, the YMCA, the Countryside YMCA, got wind of this building uh, being for sale, and they approached the Presbyterian uh, church leaders and they said, "Hey, we're interested." And the leaders were like. Okay. And they had this conversation with the, the board of directors, and they expressed it's really important to us that this be some sort of a spiritual center of the community. And the YMCA was like, oh, that's really cool. Because a part of our vision is body, mind, and spirit. If you know anything about us as a church, we're a church that is planted in the Y. Because the why has the vision statement of being body, mind, and spirit. But if you know anything about the why, you know that the vision over the years, while it started strong, the vision has drifted a little bit. Okay? They do mind really well. They do body really well. Like if you think of the why across the globe, it's like, yeah, 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 a place where you can work out, right? The, the, the cliche would be the why is the gym swim. But that's not their heart. That's not the genesis of the why. They want to be a place that lives high in the sea in young men's Christian association. They want to use the gym as a platform so that people would be right? And so the YMCA board and the, the Presbyterian Church talked to them like, I think this is going to be a, a good fit. And the wife said, you know what? Let's do this. We do body well, we do mind well. Let's make this place the soul center of the community. Let's do really well in spirit. Let's use this strategically to reach the community of Christ. So that people would that would be driving by or whatever, they would come here and they would get to know Jesus. <clears throat> and so the, the why I pursued Antioch, my mama church, and said, Would you plant a church here? We ain't gonna buy it unless you plant a church. And the partnership like continued to like knit together again, and they said, Let's do it. And they bought it. And the Presbyterian Church gave them a great deal because they were committed to putting a church in. And so the uh, Antioch elders uh, gathered together 
And uh, they said, well, we're going to plant a church. We need a leader. And uh, this is how you know you're getting old, ready? Okay, so this, uh, one of the elders at the time, his name was CJ, goes, well, let's just pray together. He goes, you know what? Here's this guy who discipled me in college at Miami. <laughs> when I was a freshman, he was a senior, and he used to take me around to the dorms, and, and we used to share high school with people. Um, I think you guys might know him. Dave, I think you know him. It's your brother, right? <laughs> Um, let's call up Mike Newman, CJ said. Okay, okay. let's call Mike. Okay, okay so yeah. we got a phone <laughs> We got a phone call in early 2017. And uh, Hannah and I, uh, we prayed. And um, we, we had a lot of discussions with Hannah. We had a lot of discussions with their elders. We we called our elders. We let them know. We told our church. And everyone was like proverbially on their knees for at least six months. It was hard. On a personal note, um, when we we personally feel whenever God calls you to a place, you buy your group stuff. And uh, we were ready to serve our church in Texas and and when we got that phone call, we weren't jockeying for a position. We weren't looking for something new. Um, God told us to plant a church in the southwest of Ohio. And, uh, and, and when we came, uh, it's, it's interesting um, how men and women grieve differently. And have full out of tears prior to me. And I remember packing up the truck and being strong and working through all of this and what it takes to move. We locked the truck, we waved goodbye on Sunday, and we left. And I remember hitting the Bible in week two days. I'm a late reader. And it was a moment. It was really hard to believe that we wanted to follow Jesus through our lives. We've experienced so much joy. In the process, we, um, after all the conversations with Antioch, um, theologically, just to make sure we're heading in the right direction, we said, hey, one more thing. Um, we're not coming unless uh, we plant with another. Uh, it's that important to us that we plant with a plurality of leadership. And if you're new to the faith, it's cool. Like, it sounds a little churchy, but it's actually really important. Uh, there's just one person that we're trying to magnify here, and it's Jesus. And Jesus says that you are to have a plurality of elders uh, in a church. And so it's important on the onset for a church to uh, not base it on personality, only human pastor. And so we said, hey, we need, an, we need another elder. And so the elder board at Antioch said, who's gone? And Peter said, And that was probably one of the best things this church has ever done you know, in its onset. Uh, and it's been a very great, great thing. Uh, a deep blessing. He isn't here right now because his son got married. Uh, we went to the wedding last night. And it was awesome. And it's a joy and privilege for us to get to see you guys. You get to marry out your kids, raise kids together. It's our church. All right, so a few months into living in Ohio, 
Now, we were worshiping in Antioch all together, and we said, all right, who's coming with us? Who's interested? And so um, I remember um, talking with Hannah and then meeting with a few of the ladies that, that uh, do some of the administrative work at Antioch. We said, all right, so let's have a barbecue and let's gather uh, some people together at our house, okay? Amy, would you put up that barbecue slide? Okay, oh, don't read it just yet, okay? So, um, so one of the ladies, Amy Johnson, she in love, kind of drew near and she said, hey, just ask it, when you say barbecue, like, what do you mean? And I was like, yeah, like, I'll be on the grill and we'll, like, put some, I mean, we'll grill some hamburgers and hot dogs and things like that. And she goes, to their head, right? She said, I don't think that means what you think it means. Like, you live in Southwest Ohio right now, when you say barbecue, people hear it. Sandwiches. You're in flying picnic. <laughs> and I was like, oh, barbecue, okay. Um, man, um, let's do tacos. Okay, so we had a taco lunch. Okay, a whole bunch of you guys came on over to our house. Some of you remember that? Yes, Okay, and uh, um, we ate lunch, and then we said, hey, let's just let's just share a little vision of where we're going to we said six things to you guys. And I'm here are, are six like values as we pass the vision to you. Um, we said that we would be committed to a sound gospel. And within that, we said that we as a church are going to be committed to teaching the scriptures so that the gospel would be magnified. Right? And when we say teaching the scriptures, we mean like going through the scriptures line by line, precept by precept, book by book. So that my agenda wouldn't raise to the surface, but God's agenda through His Word and by His Spirit would be the primary agent to feed God's people and to evangelize the lost. We would be committed to a sound gospel. That we'd be committed to elder leadership. That we would be committed to a local, meaningful membership. That we'd be committed to discipleship. That we would be committed to evangelism. And that prayerfully one day we would be a church that plants churches. And then from there, God began to serve. People began to say, I want to be a And so we began to pray. So we started meeting here monthly. We began to gather on a monthly basis to pray. This was our first slide um, where we, we called you here to 6246 Turning Leaf Way. God began to shape our identity through Christ by prayer. And some of you remember the first verse that I opened up was Psalm 127. Let me read it for you. It says, Unless the Lord builds the house, it's laborers labor in vain. And from there, God began to build his house here in me. And how God does that, or you can say in a different image, how God's construction process works is that he always builds through his word and he uses his witnesses. That's how he builds his house, the church. And so we prayed together 
And then we begin to study God's word together because that's what works. And so we said, well, what book should we start with? Okay. And so we said, let's pick Titus. Titus is an epistle. That's a pastoral epistle, three chapters long in the New Testament. And it was really good and rich for us. And I remember going, hey, friends, brothers and sisters, what if we read this book in the Bible? And what if we did everything it says? Pretty novel idea, right? Like, what if we based everything we did off of this book? Do you think that God would be honored? And everyone's like, this guy is kind of an education And we started to do what the Bible says. There's beautiful, like, on a side note there, personally, I am so grateful for the Bible. Like, as a minister of the gospel, you need to know that I heavily rely on the Bible. Like, it's been so fruitful for me in my life and ministry to people. People ask questions to me, and I go, inside, in my mind, this is how it works. Oh my word, I have no idea how to answer that. The thing the Bible is. Hey, um, like that was inside language, now outside voice. Hey, let's see what God thinks about what we just said. And, it, and it's been so fun and celebratory for me, even this week, to look back and see and sing about this morning. Do you guys know that that verse, that, that last song we sing, is the first song that we sing together as a church? It's from Ezekiel, how God breathes out in these dead bones in the valley that stacked on top of each other. They start to wrap flesh around them and cake alive. Weird, huh? <laughs> and that's what God does through his, his voice, his breath. And he did it in the scriptures. The scriptures are breathed out. They're exhaled. And then they are, they keep working. They, they, the scripture calls itself, I am living and active. One of my favorite verses in Hebrews is Hebrews 3, 7. It starts like this. And the scripture says, and then if you have a Bible that takes the Old Testament and puts it in a little margin and puts it in italicized, but especially like it quotes the Old Testament, but isn't it cool how that tense is used? It doesn't say, but the scripture said, parentheses, past tense, stale, stagnant, kind of like a pond with like green on top, old and historical. No. What tense is it? But the scripture says, present, present, ongoing, continuous. It still speaks. It's still alive. It's sharper than it. Praise God for His word. Amen. Can you celebrate that this morning with me? Like, as we studied Titus, it began to breathe life into us and give us specific direction for our church. Beautiful. And so we had our first Sunday. What should a pastor say on the first Sunday? Right? Man, a whole bunch. You could like say 
say a lot of things. And you can like talk about vision and cool church planning strategies. And, uh, well, hopefully it's something from the Bible, right? And so we opened up the living and active word. And we preached on the Lord's word. And said, if the Lord is going to use us here, we must be a people of prayer. Some of you might feel like the old prayer, the Lord's prayer is like old fashioned or rote or uh, just something that high church people do. But the Lord's prayer to us that Sunday became so beautiful as we walked with Jesus. We started the book of Luke. Um, in each, each, uh, each time that we're going to bring this up in the next two years, we just have a little slide to jostle your memory so you can celebrate how God used his word in your life. And for a year, every Sunday, we ask really two questions. Who is this Jesus? What does it mean to follow him? Remember that? Who is this Jesus? What does it mean? If I give my life to him, what will that mean? As Luke lays it out in his, in his gospel. We saw over and over again in this gospel that there was no casual response to Jesus. Do you remember that? It wasn't like, oh, yeah, he's cool, and I'm in It's fine. No, that wasn't the responses that we saw. Either in the book of Luke, when Jesus came on the scene, either people hated him and started plotting to kill him, or they bowed down But there was, and there can be, no casual response to this And the word began to stir in our hearts. Quick story of how that happened. I remember um, that someone coming up to me after after being in the scriptures and saying, Hey Mike, I'm so God's just doing a good work in our family's heart. And uh, we we pulled together some money and we just feel like we need to give you Here's 400 bucks to give to someone in the wild. Like, we just want this Jesus, we want him to be known. And we just want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. It was like, sweet. 400 bucks. Okay. Hey, let's see what the Lord does through this, okay? And, uh, and so I was walking through the wild that week, going, Lord, I need to use this 400 bucks. And this, this, this girl was like, just different that day. She was a little bit weepy. And she was, you just tell, right? When you ask the Lord for eyes to see and ears to hear around, he's like, okay, something's happening. He's like, hey, how you doing? So and so, oh, okay. Hey, come on, what's going on? What's your friend? Just tell me. Winter's coming, and uh, we don't have enough money to fill up our. It's going to be a really cool thing. Yeah. Okay, how much is it going to cost? $400. Uh-huh. Yeah, come on, guess how much you said. 
She didn't say 399. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. And I literally were like, yes. She's beautiful. Let's celebrate how God is faithful through His Word to make our hearts burn, as the Luke, as, as the Luke would say in 24. He burned that heart and it came out through His hands, even through His chest. That summer, we studied Psalm 25, and that permeated just all of our thinking in our heart, in our hearts, and it just it was beautiful. We called it the waiting room because Psalm 25 um, gives emphasis to waiting on the Lord. Um, let me just go, Pastor Deep Gamma, like I did that summer, okay? So Pastor Nurse like looks at Psalm 25 and sees that there's 22 verses in it. And it's like, oh, in Hebrew, okay, there's 22 letters in the alphabet. Oh, he is lying item. He's going in order. It's a poem. It's a poem and it's A to Z in Hebrew. What's he doing? What's he doing? He's listing out all of the challenges in his life. From an A to Z, you could do that. You could do that. You could take your journal out and go A to, a to Z. And you'd say, These are all the challenges, and then date grows. And so I'm taking these challenges, God, and I'm going to wait on you for them. I'm going to wait on you. Not so that just they would be resolved, but I'm going to wait for you to work in my life. I'm going to trust you through them, and I'm going to watch you. Look at verse 5 with me. It's up on your screen or in your scripture. Psalm 25, 5 says, Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For in you I wait all the day long. And the primary message was that the people of God honor God by waiting on Him. So we are challenged with this idea of waiting. How many of you this past week have waited on something? Right? You've waited in line. The analogy that we, we used that summer was that we walked into the DMV, everyone's experience, like get their license or renew it. You get your number, and it's like number 74, and they're on number 46. And, and in your mind and your heart, you go, oh, I am going to waste my time here. So I'm either going to go home and schedule an appointment, or I'm going to sit here and it's going to be such a waste for the next hour and a half. You take out your phone, check Facebook, you just do stuff, and it's like time wasted. And God thinks differently when you're waiting. When you wait on Him, it's intrinsically tied with this idea of trusting surrender. Some of us were in the waiting room that summer when you saw God work not just when you got out of the waiting room and into the doctor's office, but you saw the doctor come line into the waiting room and tend to your wounds and meet you in the waiting room as you trusted him to be great for a surgery. 
Amen. Can we just praise him for his faithfulness through his word, Psalm 25, here? Remember that, friends? The helpful question this morning was, and can be, what are you waiting on the Lord for? Is there anything in your life right now that you need to go, Lord, I actually have so many question marks. Here, 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 and here. Right? For those of you, this isn't your kind of place. For those of you who are homeschooling this year, unexpectedly, where schools changing this and that, right? Students that are wearing masks and are having a hard time relating to one another because you can't see, you can't hear. It's tough times. These are the things that God loves. When you're sitting in the waiting room, you like this. This isn't a wait. Come to wait on them. Amen. As a church, we waited on them in our struggles. And if you remember this, but bees came to the <laughs> main block. Remember that? Right? And they infiltrated our walls out of the uh, east side, right? And in our minds, the natural man would think if you're setting out to accomplish a goal, namely planting a church and like doing good, reaching the community, growing, things like that, you would think that something negative like that would be a setback to the gospel. Oh no, we got bees. Everything's going wrong. Lord, what are you doing? This isn't supposed to happen. We're supposed to, and then you take out your list of how you think things should go, right? It's supposed to go like this because we're supposed to move on what are you doing, right? But actually, how God builds his church through his word and his witnesses is that when his church experiences suffering, and then his church responds in the suffering, the light shines in. Amen. Because the people of God respond differently to suffering. And we saw so many doors open for the gospel because we as a church responded in a manner that honored the Lord. Can I get an amen? Amen. Awesome. The bees are gone, by the way, if you are visiting. <laughs> um, in the next. <laughs> so we, we came to the book of Philippians. Okay? In the book of Philippians, we said that the main theme was supreme joy. Paul was writing to the church in Philippi. And it was written to a church who uh, they grew up and the whole city was dedicated to their exaltation of themselves. They were devoted to their name, their renown. Their stuff, their fame, their games, their everything, everything was just all about them. And so Paul wrote to them, presented the gospel, and began to rewire their thinking and set them on a different path of pursuit. See, they were pursuing things to, to reach like this ultimate joy or satisfaction. And Paul said that the real joy is going to happen when you find it in Christ and partaking in other people's spiritual growth. 
Real joy occurs when you pursue Him and find your all in all in Jesus, and then you turn and bring others along with you. And this we want to depart from the church. Look at these verses that we're including, okay? This is um, the famous Philippians 1 21. You probably heard it, have it memorized. It says, For me, to live is what? And to die is gain. Right? You gotta ask. Come on, what does it mean to live for Christ, Paul? What does it mean to live for Christ? And he answers that in the subsequent verses. Verse 22, you don't have it here, but he says, For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. If I'm with God, I'm living. This will only mean fruitful labor for fruitful labor for He says, Well, I could depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. I could die and be in heaven. That's awesome. But I know that I will remain. Why will you remain? What gives you purpose in this life? Is salvation just so that you get to go to heaven? Or Jesus, do you have a plan and commission for me on this earth? And in Philippians, he says, absolutely. I know that I will remain. And I will continue with you. I will remain and continue with you all for your joy and progress in the faith. And this word breathed life in our church. Celebrate it with me. Because we went from being concerned with our relationship with God to being concerned about others as a result of our relationship with God. And we would get together and we would say, how are you doing in your walk with Christ? Which is, should be a very common question in Christendom, right? We as believers, saints, set apart, should be asking each other, hey, how's your walk with God going? Because we love each other and we're concerned for each other's joy and progress in the faith. Philippians was a fantastic book for us. And then we studied revival. Remember that? We studied revival and we asked you guys, all right, we're studying revival. What book of the Bible would you go to? If you had this think through revival, would you go to Acts? Would you go to, you know, where would you go? And we went to the book of Second Chronicles. And it was so like grandiose in some of our minds, right? What? Right? Because revival is this action of God to a heart that brings life. It's like a heart surgeon opening up a chest and flicking that heart that was dead, and you see the coming back. The term heart. In these two books, First and Second Chronicles in the Old Testament, occur 850 times in the whole Old Testament. In First and Second Chronicles, 63 times. 19 in First, 44 times in Second Chronicles. And over the course of that book, we saw the disposition of the heart, like the posture of it, how how it's going. The heart, if you don't know, in Christianity, it's like a really big deal. It's a really big deal. Like, how is your heart? And the writer, who is Ezra, 
was concerned for your heart, not just about outward experiences or outward obedience to the law, but inward heart love posture. In the Chronicles of Israel, as you read through it, you'll see that God is concerned and moves towards the heart. The heart's a big deal. And when God moves towards the heart, He revives it. It brings revival. So we were defining that term really carefully because lodged in our minds, when we say revival, in your ears, what we understand is, oh, let me get on my calendar. When is that event? It has a start time. It has an end time. I need to show up. That's not, that's not really what we're talking about. You said that it starts first in the heart. It happens in the church. You can't make it happen. You can't manipulate God in order to cause revival. John says that the Spirit moves where it pleases. Oh, the wind catch it necessarily to make sure it all. But there are some things that God calls us to do that have been consistent throughout biblical revival and in church history. Let me share with you four of them. It's from 2 Chronicles 7 14, which is our theme verse. It says, If my people who are called by my name, one, humble themselves, and two, pray, three, seek my face, and four, turn from their wicked ways. Then I, God, will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. We were shown how the people of God walked with God through studying certain characters like this. Remember Rehoboam? Kids, remember this one? Rehoboam. Remember Jehoshaphat? Fat, fat, Jehoshaphat. Remember that? Hezekiah, we studied Josiah, we studied David, how he had a whole heart for God. We studied Solomon, how he had a half heart for God. In the midst of studying revival, COVID 19. <laughs> and don't we just love talking about it now? So good. But you know, we gotta like celebrate what God has done through it. He worked in our lives and worked in our church through. We spent six weeks on the series was called Christ and the Coronavirus. And we read the great book together and we talked deeply about what God was doing and how God uses things like this to work both in biblical history and now. The first message is called A House Built on the Rock. And then we had the question, what is God doing? We answer it like this one Sunday. He's awaiting. What is God doing? He's purifying and judging. What's God doing? He's realigning our hearts. What's God doing? He's creating and He's loosening. And then we gather together after a time physically. We saw each other face to face. And we studied Psalm 40 together. And we asked the question all right. The Lord has given us a new song. 
What's our new song? Remember that? What's our new song? And we have Testimony Sunday, testimony after testimony. People share how God used COVID-19 to bring about the most beautiful things. There was tears. It was awesome. Praise God for how he used his word in our lives to breathe the holiness. Amen? Amen. And then we said, oh, look at the mess in our community that's going on. Look at all the divorces. Domestic abuse after quarantine is crazy. Look at all the depression. Everyone's anxious. The church must respond. Not with gimmicks, not with cool, like, pithy sayings, not with smoke machines. What must we do? Praise God for His Word and how it speaks to us today. What was our response? Guys, let's open up to Matthew 28. 19 and 20. We called the next series Sustained Revival. We said we must make disciples. Let's read it. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I have you always to the end of the age. There are a lot of things that can be offered to those challenges. And let me just speak to you this morning as a minister of the gospel. If you're hurting in those areas, there is a solution. And it is Jesus. And we want to help you know him and grow in him. If you're struggling in those areas, you may search for it in other ways, but you will find it in the church. Through his Son, by the Holy Spirit in the Scriptures, that Amen? Amen. And we want to be a church that equips the saints for the work of ministry, so that when your neighbors, when your friends are struggling with those things, that you're ready to give counsel from the Word of God, so that disciples, that is, followers of Jesus, would be made. It's the mission of the church. It's not programs, it's through people so that the light of the gospel will be seen and heard through his people. And then we said, whoa, that is an intimidating call. I mean, there's a lot of challenges out there and we are to go out into the world and make disciples. So how, what does that look like? Like, as a church, what are we supposed to be like? And so we said, well, let's study some churches. And so what did we do? So we opened up to the last book of the Bible, which is called Revelation. Okay, singular, okay. Revelation, okay. We studied the seven churches in Revelation. Real churches where Jesus, through, through John, wrote to them. 
We talked about him as a house where Jesus walked through those churches and gave them counsel. And it, it was beautiful how Jesus, through his word, by his spirit, called those churches and called this church the gathering to remember this patiently church patiently endure. We call it precedented times because precedented means parallel. So that we wouldn't read them and say, well, that was back then, but now. But as we read them, they came alive. We said, everything that's happening back then, the struggles, the persecutions, we can learn. We learned that his word carried them and they'll carry us, and his word will keep us, and his word will hold us fast. What has God done through his word these past few years in your life? That'd be a great question over lunch. How has God used his word in your life? To swell your heart, to, to cause your affections, your love for him to grow deeper. How has God used his word? What verses has he used to exalt your view of him so that you can worship him in greater ways? I promise that this quest of following Jesus by knowing the word will be the best thing that you have ever done. And you do. Amen. It is far greater and worth more than any gold or any silver that you could acquire. It is such a worthy pursuit. It will revive your heart and it will bring life to your eyes, to your face, to your calendar to your relationships, to your marriage, to your family. If you come to it, you will see that it tastes so And so Father, We want you. We thank you that you have revealed yourself through your word. You've chosen to do it with words on a page that are tangible, that are objective, that are true. You say in Proverbs 30 that every word of your scriptures is true, and it is a shield to those who find refuge in it. And so right now, we trust in it. It's our only hope in life and death. Hallelujah. We thank you that you're with us and that you're moving. And you are active still today. Would you move in this church? Lord, there are people here, I know it, that need to hear your voice today. Lord, would you take what has been spoken what has been sung, what has been read, would you apply it to your church's heart? 
Lord, for those who feel and who are far from you, Lord, would you draw them near? Lord, would you cause their eyes to look to the Son, Jesus Christ, by faith and repentance? Lord, would you cause those who want you now to come to you? And it's in Jesus' name.